Podcasting straight from North Carolina is Dr. Jennifer Eichner-Lowry sharing her author journey with you. Jen Lowry writes is a place where amazing things happen for authors and readers together. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate podcast host. Jen is just the bird singing the song. She is a published author, educator, homeschool mama, life coach, and dreamer. Join her on the daily journey of discovering what this writing life is all about. Let's see what she will be led by the Holy Spirit to talk about today. Here's Jen. Thanks for supporting my Jen Lowry Writes podcast. My purpose is to inspire and encourage others to chase after their writing goals with faith and courage. By hitting the support this podcast button and with your monthly contribution of 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99, you are helping me chase after mine. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Jen Lowry Writes Podcast. Look who I have sitting with me right now, Lisa Regan. <laughs> Lisa Regan is a USA Today and Wall Street Journal bestselling author of the Detective Josie Quinn series. Look, see this? <laughs> Love. Put it over here as well as several other crime fiction titles. Her novels have been translated into several other languages. She has a bachelor's degree in English and master of education degree from Bloomsburg University. She lives just outside of Philadelphia with her husband, daughter, and her Boston Terrier named Mr. Philip, who you can check out on Instagram, <laughs> love. She is a member of the International Thriller Writers, Mystery Writers of America, Sisters in Crime, and Crime Writers Association. She is currently under contract to write a total of 20 Detective Josie Quinn novels. Book number 10 in the series, Breathe Your Last, released on December the 9th, 2020, and debuted at number one on the Wall Street Journal's fiction ebook bestseller list. And book 11 in the series releases in April 2021, right around the corner. Welcome, Lisa. Wonderful to be here. Thank you. So, Lisa, I had to reach out to you. Because when I came across Top Thriller Writers, your name popped right up into my feed. And I was like, I'm going to take this chance and I'm going to email you and say, I would love to connect. And you were so gracious to just connect with me. So thank you for that. Thank you for asking me. And I just first tell me all about you with Josie Quinn, because I've read book one. And absolutely love the character you have crafted in her. Thank and you. To, to know it's a 20 book series. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> as long as readers don't get tired of her, but so far uh, they're not. Um, yeah. So she um, came out of this idea. I was um, pitching to my publisher, Book O'Chure. Um, they wanted a detective series and I had a couple of things laying around um, that they weren't uh, that they liked, but they weren't crazy about. And then I, we talked about doing uh, a detective series where the detective is really kind of rogue and doesn't always follow the rules and is a little bit brash and abrupt and, but really dead set on justice. And maybe that detective has some flaws or some bad habits or some demons. 
And uh, initially we were talking about a male detective and I said, well, I would love to do that, but I want to write it as a female because <laughs> I yeah. just that that would be more interesting. So, you know, I did all the, the stuff that you kind of see a lot in this genre, which is, you know, she's got a problem with alcohol. She's needs some anger management. Um, <laughs> she's, um, she tries to stay within the, the rules, but it's very difficult for her. And um, yes, yeah, she's got a lot of emotional baggage from, from a, a crappy childhood. So um, that's what I, I try to do. Now you've read book, book one, one. Um, and she's very brash and, and abrasive and um, a little over the top in this one. And that was done on purpose because what happens is with each book, she learns more about herself and about the world and about how to conduct herself. So over time with each book, she becomes a little more thoughtful and less brash and a little uh, better at you know, managing her anger. And I feel like that gives readers a good chance to, um, to kind of be there with, with her during that growth process. And each case changes her a little bit. And I could even see the growth in her throughout even like so no spoiler alerts Pro I start screaming Lisa but like even at the end she has she's like she holds her tongue there's something she wants to say there's something that she would love to do but she just she's you know she's standing in this room and she kind of lets someone else kind of take the lead a little bit because they had already discussed that might be the better angle and right. so she released a little bit of that power and yeah. that you know that jump in and I'm going to do this. But what she's got, you've got a character with some great instincts and you've got a character with some spot on questioning and like <laughs> die hard. I'm going to go after this. You know, why are you telling me to stop doing something when you know that's not me? Right. And and she's yeah. kind of hardwired um, to seek justice like it. She's I can't remember the exact line, but she basically says at one point, you know, this is, I'm not built this way. Yeah. Um, this It's just not in her to walk away um, when she knows that, that people are being hurt or harmed or, you know, if people are being put in jeopardy and she has been so damaged in her life that there's almost this element of, to her of, I have nothing to lose. So if I have to put my life on the line to, to make sure that other people are going to be okay. I don't mind doing that. So she kind of always runs headfirst into the danger um, without thinking too much about it, just because that's how she, how she's wired. And there was something else about her too, with when you made this character to where um, early on, you find out, wait, she's suspended. Like it's right there on the, it's right in our Goodreads review. So it's yeah. right at the top. I'm not giving too much away guys. Um, so you've got it where, well, wonder what she did, right? Wonder what happened, but you keep reading because you've got to find this out. You got to find out what was it that got her so caught up where she did lose some kind of control and became unprofessional. Then right. when you find out, then that question goes, I completely understand the moves that she made with, with how she was interacting within her world. Right. Like it, it all clicks and it all starts to make sense. And it's like, okay, there we go. There's another <laughs> layer of her where that protective nature 
Right, right. Yeah. And it could only be something like if you read the book, you'll you'll find out what it what it was that she got suspended for. Um, and and as I was I didn't actually know what that was as I was writing the book. And as I got further into the book, I was like, it has to be like she's so dedicated to her job that it has to be something so bad, so egregious that that it would make her lose that kind of control, the kind of control that would jeopardize her job since that's really her, the main focus of her life. So that kind of, um, and if you, when you read the book, you'll see what, you know, why that something like what she encountered would make her lose control that way. And so now I've picked up that you didn't do the whole plotting and I know every chapter outline of what's happening with this series. How did that work for you then? Um, well, what I had was like this nine page proposal um, and it was kind of from, be it was it was from beginning to end, but there were a lot of details that I hadn't filled out yet. And so um, I, I just knew at the beginning of the book that she was on suspension and that she hated every second of it. And, <laughs> and miserable. Then, she was yeah, miserable. Yeah. Um, I just, oh, I was... I was talking to somebody about this book the other day and I was laughing about how, you know, in, in the book, somebody says to her, like, why don't you take up knitting or something? <laughs> and she's just like, I can't, I can't. And then she makes the joke later, though, that she went by to get her knitting supplies. I was like, OK, now, come on, come on. Uh, we know where you were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she thought, I just knew that she wasn't capable of turning turning this off, this part of mm -hmm. her um, that is obsessed with her work. And um, as I, so uh, there were little details like that as I went uh, through the the proposal and, and, and wrote chapter by chapter that I had to fill out as I wrote. Because um, I, I plan most things, but there are some things that um, I don't know what they are till I get there. Um, I had a scene in, in um, book 11 that I that I just is in editing now. It's finished, and but as I was writing the first draft, um, something terrible has happened, which is what happens in crime novels. And uh, Josie is standing outside the hospital, and uh, her chief of police comes out to say something to her. And I had to get up from my desk at that moment and do something for my daughter. And the whole time, I'm like, Oh, I wonder what he's going to say to her. <laughs> I didn't even know. I had no idea. And I couldn't wait to get back to my desk to find out what it what it was. And I was surprised. So sometimes I plan everything and sometimes the, the characters, you know, I just let it happen. They do what they're going to do organically. So with a series like you have, so that's so well developed, like do you kind of have like a basic premise already put in? Like this is that big crime thing this will be the big crime thing here. Did you work that or did you just let it naturally come from just the organic way that things can grow? Well, the funny thing is, is that um, the first book that I wrote in that series, I, I actually had had a three book deal for the series at, at first. And so I was just like, well, this is never going to take off. So, you know, I, I'll write a complete arc across those three books. And that way, when, when it comes time to renew the contract and the books aren't doing well and the publisher is like, we don't want to, 
renew, then I then I'll at least have given my readers a complete arc across those three books. Because never in my wildest dreams did I imagine that it would go further than that. Um, so yeah, but then the books, the first three books did so uh, crazy well that um, then the, the publisher, you know, they came back and they wanted more and more books. And I was like, oh my God, now I have to... Um, <laughs> now the real work is going to start. <laughs> something else. So now what we try to do is um, we will go like three or four books ahead. And so each book has its own mystery. So technically you could pick up any one of the books and read it um, because each case that she solves in each book is independent of all of the others. Um, but across the series, there are things that happen um, amongst the series regular characters. And so if you haven't read them in order, Sometimes it can be confusing or sometimes, or it just won't mean as much to right. you. Or you'll uh, just have a little missing piece of the puzzle, but it's okay that you could continue to move through it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like say in book nine, I, you know, if there's a character that you didn't meet yet in book one or the relationship between Josie and that character has changed since book one, then I'll drop a little paragraph in there or two to try to catch you up. Um, but it just, it, I haven't found, you know, from what readers have told me, I haven't found that it it affects the reading experience. I have plenty of people that pick the series up at book six or eight or ten, and they're, you know, they're fine with it. So that's what and we you do. you had a different cover for Vanishing Girls, which was I like the, at the beginning, and then now it has shaped into this, which looks really uniform across it, your series. It does. They're all. Yeah. I have a couple here. I always have like a creepy house. Um, I got for book um, seven, Cold Heart Creek, I got a boat, which was really exciting. Um, yeah, the, I love the first cover that they did, um, but it didn't do well with readers. And so within the first two weeks, uh, the publisher came to me and said, we're going to try something a little different. Um, we've got this lovely blue color and this creepy old and we're going to put that on the cover and see how it does. And the book, I mean, the sales went through the roof after that. So, and it was the same book. So it's just the yep. cover. I, as much as I love that cover, it just wasn't uh, resonating with readers. So that whole any mini mighty thing that was on there. I I mean, it, it was very clever. And it's like, yeah. you, could, you could use that though for promotion or just a different spin when you're showing the book. One of my friends is a graphic designer and she owns her own press and she made me the cover for the Sunday killer and she's got it all like dark and it does have an old barn on it. And it's uh, just the black red. It pops. It has the maze because it's uh, it's almost like with the, you know, the detective is trying to figure it out and they're like all in this maze. It's just a really cool cover. I don't know if that's what the publishing company, I'm going to share it with them and say, look what my friend gifted to me. Yes. <laughs> uh, she gave it to me in December and uh, she was just playing around one day and my jaw just dropped. I was like, you made this like right now? She's like, oh yeah, this was way before I even got the publishing contract when she just read it as a beta. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I want to just share this. And I was like, oh, I love it. So oh, even, even if the publishing company doesn't accept it, I'll still use that. I'll still yeah. show like, 
like promotion because yeah I loved it and I got the flowers on the front well the weed on the front like you know because she will bring up things about picking the flowers in the book and things like that so I got the symbolism of it and I thought it was that's really cool I thought it was cool but I love these too I I love them both yeah so I'm like a big cover girl like I'm seriously love covers of books like they draw me in um yeah and I just I love the way that that your whole series just pops like and yeah and they look this they look kind of the same so you know what you know when you yeah. look across the row you can say okay all of those are Lisa's and oh wait that one's not mine <laughs> yeah yeah and so for you when you first started out saying I don't really think this may go anywhere like was that just maybe what you feel maybe all authors might experience when they kind of release their baby in the world or do you find that yeah i think so but also i had written um a couple of well five books before that and so i mean i had a pretty solid uh reader following but publishers just weren't um crazy about the books and then they didn't sell as well I guess, I mean, I was happy with, with it because I had readers who were super excited and engaged, but they weren't selling well enough for um, publishers to, to continue books in any given series. So I had written two books that Thomas, well, originally my first book, Finding Claire Fletcher was published by a small press. I got the rights back. I published it myself. And then I wrote a sequel and then Thomas and Mercer picked up that old book and the sequel and um, they did well, but they didn't do well enough to, for me to write more books in the series. So, um, and the same thing had happened with my, um, what is my fourth and fifth book or my third and fifth book, um, Hold Still and Cold Blooded, which are also related. And so I just figured, you know, it's really hard to get a series off the ground and, um, the competition out there is so um, incredible that I, I think sometimes it's just really hard to stand out. Um, I mean, I read other writers every day and I'm, I'm blown away by the talent that's out there. So um, I'm blown away by you. <laughs> oh, like, you. like I'm reading you and blown away at how you just crafted this world And it was like, I talked to my kids about it. This was a great starting point for me to talk with them, too. I mean, we've talked about issues of sex trafficking and Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, And I was like, man, can you imagine this is happening in the book? Like, yeah, mama, this could be happening in our town. And you would never know. Like, like, so I'm sitting here kind of like paraphrasing to my 18 year old and my 13 year old topics from your book. But they felt so real, like. We know that this, like the research that you have to put behind each book too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Makes it where it's a standout, you know, like what stands you out? Like to me, it's the research it's the thought, the intention, everything behind your work, but you are just a beautifully crafted author who can get those. You can string those words along that make you feel the heart of the book. Like the heart of the character. Like you can feel, you can feel Josie's good intent. Even right. when even when she may have a weak moment, you're still cheering for her because you know that it's going to get better for her. You yeah. know, she's going to get her time. It's going to be due. So I love to hear like over time, 
she is going to grow and, and mature in that kind of professional world. Like I can see that happening for her, even with all the devastation that happens, man, crime thrillers. <laughs> oh, they're the worst. Yeah. <laughs> like really like crime thriller. So when you first started, did you always know you wanted to be like within this genre and stay within this lane? No, actually when I was, well, I, well, I, I, I think yes, but I didn't know it. Um, <laughs> okay. when I was 11 years old, I was already writing and I wrote my first book on this old typewriter that, um, one of my parents bought for me and it was 140,000 words and it was a murder mystery. And I can remember thinking at 11 years old, Oh, I can't wait until I'm old enough where this is acceptable. <laughs> 11 years old, Lisa. Yeah. 140,000 words. Yes. At 11. Do you still have it? I do. It's a um oh. it's on paper obviously. Um and it's horrifically written. I mean, it's so bad. Um <laughs> but, but I bet it is absolutely precious yeah, to be able I, to have that beginning for you. Like yeah. I had the I had the old brother typewriter in 8th grade that had the little screen on it. Yes, yes. <laughs> that was what I got for my eighth grade graduation. My mom was like so supportive, but I wish I had all my old stuff. I was writing. I don't know if you remember uh, the Sweet Valley High series work. Oh, yes. Those are my favorite. Okay. Yeah. So, Lisa, I was writing about a group of friends who were uh, kind of like Sweet Valley High, but they were like college freshmen at UNC Chapel Hill. And now my son's at UNC Chapel Hill as a freshman. <laughs> but I was writing that. Um, in eighth grade, writing these these cutesy little boyfriend girlfriend friendship drama, and you were writing the murder mystery. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> hey, we have our own thing. Like, were you watching a lot of shows, or did you have a lot of influences? Did you did you read a lot of like Nancy Drew growing up? Or I did. Well, you know, like the only cartoon that I ever really loved was Scooby-Doo, which was like all about the mystery. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then I went to, I did read, I read Nancy Drew. I read the old hardback ones, which I, I didn't really love that much. But then when I was, I want to say in middle school, they came out with a new, like more modernized um, version of the Nancy Drew series and these little thin paperbacks for kids just my age. And I, I mean, I just devoured them. I love them so much. Um, and so I, and then we, as I got older, I would be reading because my, I was like horrible at math, but my reading level was always like, you know, ahead. And so my parents were like, you, like, you're bored with these. You've read all the young adult books and you're bored. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I started to read books with more adult themes in them at a pretty young age. So yeah, I was Stephen King at 13. Okay, I was V.C. Andrews. I did read oh. Stephen King, though. V.C. Andrews at yeah. that Like, okay, I'm 45. Yeah. I'm dating myself. But the Heaven series, I don't know if you read the Heaven yes, series. Yes, I read it. Yes. <laughs> I read I, them all. <laughs> like, for real, that Heaven series, I like get better. I mean, I love the Flowers in the Attic series. Don't get me wrong. Like, yeah. that's got my heart. But that Heaven series, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, I just love them all. Like, love yeah. And so did you want to be a writer when you were reading and just like soaking all of this wonderful life up? Well, I originally I 
and this is so strange, but I wanted to be an astronaut. And I don't know why, because I was terrible at math and science. Um, I, but I was obsessed with that movie, um, Space Camp. And um, I, then I had this scheme that I would save up to go to Space Camp. And um, I and I want, you know, I started to write poems and stories about being an astronaut. And then I can remember one day looking down at my notebook. It was like my 56th poem about being an astronaut. And I thought, I don't think I really want to be an astronaut. I think I just want to write stuff. <laughs> like I enjoy writing about it more than I really want to do it. And so then after that, I just started writing everything that, that came into my head. And just think of all the other worlds you've traveled to. <laughs> You're the author astronaut. That is you. You have traveled to the unknown because you start with a blank page. Yeah. And just have crafted these worlds. So when you got your first publishing contract, like how was that experience? Like looking back, how long queries, how was that tips for people just starting out? Like what was that journey like for you? Well, I, it was very difficult for me. I did not have the typical journey by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and, and like everyone I knew was having the typical journey, except for me. I uh, had written what became my first book, Finding Claire Fletcher, and I queried um, over 150 agents and I got over 150 rejections. Uh, most of them were good. They were like, oh, this book is great. This book is a home run, um, but no thanks. And then I finally got somebody to, it took me four years I got somebody to sign me and we went on submissions and, and she was like, this, you know, this book is fantastic. It's not going to be long. And um, two years later, we were, <laughs> we're at the bottom of the, I don't want to say the bottom of the barrel, but we're running out of options. Um, you know, I had been, re been rejected by over two dozen publishers. And again, they loved the book. It, they just didn't want to publish it. And so there, then this new press opened and a friend of mine got a, a contract with them. And so I said to my agent, well, you know, we should, we should approach them. I mean, at this point, what if we really don't have anything to lose? And um, she was a little bit hesitant as I think all agents are with, with new presses because you mm -hmm. don't know how it's going to go. Uh, but she pitched to them and they loved the book and they took it um, and, and, my second book, which I had written, but not done anything with yet. And um, the experience was wonderful. Uh, and, you know, like there's nothing, I, I have to say, you know, no matter what happens after your book comes out or in your career, there is absolutely nothing that can take away the feeling of holding your first book in your hands for the first time. I mean, it's, it's just incredible. It's the most incredible. I remember flipping through the pages and saying to my husband, those are my words. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. And so now that you can look back and you've got all of this, you know, collection behind you, like other than that first book, knowing that that's there, what are some other highlights that you've had throughout your career? Oh my goodness, so many. Well, one and probably the one, and and I don't think most writers would say this, but for me, um, because it's a daily 
uh, gift to me is all the writers that I've made friends with over the years during this journey. That is the number one highlight for me every day. I mean, every single day I'm in touch with, with them. Um, I've made lifelong friends. Um, we message each other, we support each other. Um, we commiserate with each other. We give each other advice. Uh, we read each other's stuff. So to me that you can take away all this other stuff that that's probably the most valuable thing uh, and the biggest highlight for me. Um, but other than that, like the first time that I made the USA Today list was pretty, it was just, it was surreal. It was absolutely, it's just, it's just so, I still, I mean, now Josie Quinn hits that list every time. And, and I'm, I, I keep waiting for somebody to like, email me and be like, oh, this isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> but it is real. It I'm is here real. to tell you, we are documenting this right now. All of this is real. <laughs> I have researched it and I could back it up. And so, so that day, like, how did you get that notice? Were you keeping your eye on the prize? Were you shocked? Stunned, oh, I and just like, wait, how does this happen? <laughs> I was so shocked. I, I never, I, I would never, it would never have occurred to me to check. Not in a million years. Um, I, I was not something that I ever thought would ever happen. So it was like the furthest, furthest thing from my mind. Um, you know, I knew that the sales that that with that book and that week were more than I'd ever had. And I was just thrilled with that. And then my friend, Dana Mason, who is a, another author, she writes uh, romance. Um, and we've been friends for probably about 10 years now. Um, she actually messaged me the, the photo, the screenshot of it. It was six o'clock at night. We, we were getting ready to sit down for dinner. And at first I was like, this is this, can't be right. And I, I might have even messaged her back and said, did you like, did you make this? Like, did, <laughs> did you, do you have a really good photo editor? <laughs> Love it. Yeah. I just couldn't. And then I, and then I, uh, we were like, my husband and my daughter and I were like, like woohooing. And, and then I started texting like everybody I knew. And I was like, listen, I need you to go online and just see if it, if it shows up on your computer, because <laughs> if it comes up on your computer, then it must be real. <laughs> Lisa, I love this story so much. And and the value of friendships, you are so right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, and I am right. Like, we are one accord with that, because what, what I've experienced these past few years, you know, regardless of the books, regardless of of whatever it's the friends that we're texting yeah. today yeah we're taking screenshots of my yeah. friend's book who's like we did the screenshot today she sent me a screen like it's life that's that's the beauty yeah. of this world and that that authors really understand people will say this is an isolated no type I don't think life so. i say no i no. say authors are just amazing quirky lovely human beings yes that share a common passion for books, for story, and we are pretty much obsessed <laughs> with that kind of life. And it's great to have someone to share that with. It is. It is. Yeah. Like that yeah. same commonality. And tell me about all of your different associations. So that was a decision. Like I'm a member of SCBWI, 
because of the children's book world that I live in. And I've not looked at, you know, the Mystery Writers of America and all of that yet. So I'm learning from you, Lisa, like when you, you know, you have on your bio everything that you're belonging to. Talk to the, the audience about how important that is or how valuable that is for you and what's that done for you. Well, I think it's really valuable. And I I'm, I uh, communicate with I used to meet, but not anymore because of the pandemic, but <laughs> I communicate with a lot of writers in my genre who are just starting out. And I will always say to them, uh, you should go see if your area has a local chapter of MWA or Sisters in Crime. Um, because when I first, uh, I think it was ahead of my, the, my first book coming out, I saw that Sisters in Crime had a local chapter and I went and joined and they were just the kindest and most enthusiastic and most helpful group of people um, I've ever met. I'm, I'm, I've been there now since 2012. I'm the treasurer of this, this session. Um, and they, my experience with them and then uh, a, a writer I met there was like, oh, you should also join MWA. And, and she got me involved with them. And it, all the groups, International Thriller Writers, Crime Writers Association, you know, some of them don't have, have local chapters, but um, they do have so many resources to connect you with other writers. And, you know, it's just like what you said, writers in my experience are, are so generous with their time, their ideas, their um, attention, everything. And um, in my experiences, writers will do anything to help you. So, um, and whatever that means, whether it's beta reading or or listening to you go on about plot problems or promoting your book on their you know social media, whatever you need, um, I find that that other writers are are there for you. So I've met some of my my best friends um, in those groups and sisters in crime, especially uh, since the pandemic started two of the members of my chapter uh, and I, we have gotten together every day uh, for an hour, hour and a half writing sprint on Zoom. So yeah, so every day we hop on, we talk a little bit about where we are, what we're working on. Then one of us sets a timer for 20 minutes and we write. And then, you know, whoever's doing the timing will come back on and say, that's 20 minutes. And if one of us has run into a problem, we'll talk it out. <laughs> and we usually go like an hour and a half. Um, mm -hmm. It really keeps, you know, keeps me going. It gives me a purpose during the, especially during the pandemic, you know, it, it really like, I know I have to be in front of this computer at one o'clock and, and, you know, they're going to help me with any plot problems and keep me going. So it's been really valuable. There are tons of us writers out there that are on YouTube doing that and doing writing sprints together. Oh, it's the and, best. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> it is so motivating and it it's is. just, it's fun when you know you're typing and writing along and you've got, you know, your author best friends out there doing the same thing. So we do that too. Um, there's been a few times when I've had multiple of my friends on there, but um, just recording it and allowing, you know, the readers and other writers to get a chance to do it too. That oh, that's yeah. amazing. Like we've met other writers that way when we've been doing, you know, our sprints online. But yeah, so when I reached out to you, my whole my whole concept was, you know, I have romance writer friends that we write, you know, we write inspirational romance, 
you know, I've got children's book friends and I've got a crew of those. So I've got like crews and genres. And then here I go last year saying I'm going to write the Sunday killer. And I want to, you know, I want to do I did it during Nano mm -hmm. and just yeah. popped pop that out and just loved it so much. I just got off watching The Mentalist. I don't know if you've seen that show. Not yet. Okay, so I'm going to challenge you to watch The Mentalist. It's on Amazon. It's on Amazon Prime if you've got Prime Video. But I do. So my husband had watched it previously, and he knows how much I love, like, you know, all the crime documentaries and everything. He's like, you're going to love this show. I fell in love with Lisbon, who is the lead, and she is a female detective. Absolutely loved her. I'm like, I want to write a female detective, Heather Moody. I want a Heather Moody and I want serial killers and cults. <laughs> and I want, I want the case files of Heather Moody working with all these serial killer cases, right? Like she'll be called in. Like I want the Jodie Foster. I want mm. the, you know, I started thinking of the silence of the lambs and I started thinking about all of that. It's like, you know what, for fun, I'm going to write this thriller. Yeah. Yeah. I've never read a thriller before. I've written 20 books, but they've never been a thriller. Right. It's like tra time travel back in <laughs> 1955 and sweet romance. But I'm going to try a thriller. <laughs> and so so now when I reached out to you, it was that same thing. Like I know the value and the importance of connecting with people within the genre. And because now I feel like I'm a newbie, I didn't even know something like Sisters in Crime existed. Like I didn't know like, like I never heard of it. And so I knew about the mystery writers of America because it's like the romance writers of America and right. all that, like the big, the big, but like international thriller writers. So you've given me just by us connecting, you know, you're helping me as a newbie in the genre. Like you're showing me, look, you're doing this. Now I can go out. I know words to search. Right, right. <laughs> because I think it sometimes can be maybe overwhelming for authors. Like, well, there's there's so much out there, you know, well, let's stream it down. So now my first go to, you know, when we get off is I'm going to start looking into some organizations instead of just SCBWI. I'm going to start trying because I know how valuable that is for my life. Right. Um, now I'll start looking at different ones and see about North Carolina chapters and, you know, what's around start seeing if I can join some Facebook groups. Have you done the Facebook groups? Do you, do you, are you on Facebook a lot? I am on Facebook a lot. Um, that's probably the main place that I am. And um, I belong to a lot of different groups. Some of them are, are just ones that, you know, me and a group of my friends started just because as a central place to, to ask questions and, um, and, you know, commiserate or, or whatever we need to do. Um, and some of them are uh, like MWA New York, which is the chapter that I belong to. Um, they have a Facebook page. My Sisters in Crime chapter has one. Um, and uh, my publisher has a, a closed group, which is pretty nice for all of us that are published by them. And then, um, what, oh, uh, my friend Maddie Dalrymple has a, um, she does this, it's called the Indie Author. Uh, it's a I-N-D-Y, Indie Author. And she has a website and uh, a podcast and a, a Facebook group for, for us. And she knows like everything about everything. So that's really super yeah. valuable. 
helpful to me. <laughs> yeah. So you said you started one. I think that's hilarious because one of my author friends, uh, she writes horror supernatural. I love horror. I, like I told you, I was reading Stephen King like really young. Yeah. Uh, so I love horror. I love supernatural work. And I've only written one. I, read, I wrote a YA about a teenage exorcist. So think about Buffy. Oh, that's about. Awesome. So yeah. I wrote that one. And but she's written tons. She's she's self-published and traditional published. She was like, you know what? We've got to find some other supernatural horror people that we can connect with, even if we have to start our own Facebook group. And I was yeah. like, yeah. I was like, and then we can tag thriller on it because we could just say horror, thriller, supernatural. Let's bring oh, yeah. this all together. Um, and so we were just talking about that this week. And so so we were like, well, if we can't find like the supernatural horror, I know they're out there. We just yeah. have to, we just have the, to some tie. The beauty of it is, is if you don't find what you are looking for nowadays, you can create it yourself. So. I, I think that's pretty cool. That's the kind of the the good thing about social media now. And speaking of, you share lovely. You are a sharer. <laughs> I <Like>, am. <laughs> I love that about you because when you look at your pages, when you look at the work that you're doing, you can clearly see that you're helping other authors by what you do. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. But really, I'm just a I'm just a fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like a hundred percent. I'm a, I'm just a, I'm a reader and a fan and I get so excited about um, other authors and their books. And, and so I, you know, I, I love doing that if I, <laughs> if I can. So, and the other thing is, is like, you know, on your Facebook page or any social media, I don't want it to be like, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. Um, so it, you know, I thought, if this page is going to be out about books and it should absolutely be about books that I, I love. Yes. So I really enjoy that. And I, I just get, I get so excited when I read. And it's so funny because um, like my, my editor or the publicist at my publisher will come to me and say, um, Oh, would you read an arc of so-and-so's book? And I'm like, Oh, they want me to read it. Oh, I get to read an early copy. <laughs> I am so the same way. I think they were like, but we don't want to put too much on your plate right now. If you do, I'm like, wait, I'm reading. Like, what are you talking about? We have, I read a book, then I read your book and then I'm reading this book. Like, wait a minute, what's happening? No, I love it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, oh, I, I love, love it. Yeah. I love to be able to read something before it comes out for some reason. Then I can, you know, get really excited about it when it comes out. Well, you've got that inside track, like you already know, yeah. like I love, and then you can spread it around more <laughs> and then hit share because you do so well at sharing. So to me, like, did you have any authors other, I know you said like Nancy Drew when you're like middle school, but now as an adult reader, like what's, what's on your reading list? Like what are some things, do you read only within the crime thriller drama type work or do you go out? I read mostly in it. Um, and, and just because that's just what I love. Um, I do enjoy, I, I don't, I'm not like a huge romance reader. Um, I just, I, I just, I don't know. I've just always been drawn to the, you know, 
bad stuff, I guess. But um, I really enjoy, I love Dana Mason. I love uh, Katie Metner. Um, that's probably the only romance I could, I could say. I mean, I'll try anything. I just, I just read mostly in my genre because that's what, that's what I love. Um, and, and then I just, occasionally I'll read something that's just really out of, um, just, I don't know, something like literary fiction that I might not normally read, um, just to get something a little bit different. Um, but mostly I read in my genre and I love, um, you know, like Karen Slaughter is my, my idol. Um, I have to go look her up. See, I'm learning names. <laughs> yeah, I'm learning I, names. yeah. She's my, um, like my number one. Oh my God. I've met her twice and, uh, at signings and was unable to, I mean, I said a bunch of stuff, but I don't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I was like wedding and yeah, it was so bad. <laughs> when I met Nicholas Sparks, I vaguely remember saying something like you inspired me to write again as an adult. Like I said that to him after reading a walk to remember. I don't know if you've read that one. Yes. Yes. So that yes. one really just sparked me on my trail of adult writing. But I understand that with Karen. I get yes. you. And um, I love Jennifer Hillier. I always try to get, um, and I've been lucky. Uh, she's just the most lovely person. Um, I'm have been lucky to get advanced copies of her books the last two or three times. Um, so Karen Slaughter, Jennifer Hillier, they're my go-tos. And then Greg Hurwitz, who now writes more, um, his, his are more thriller thrillery than mystery. Um, but I love him and, um, I love Angela Marsons. She writes, um, the Kim Stone detective series. She's out of the UK. Uh, I know I'm going to, it's always like my list is like 500 people long. Well, um, I love how you're going on about it because now I'm having a list over here on the right hand side. I'm y'all take notes, take notes, <laughs> listen to Lisa right now. <laughs> You can drop some more because these are these people like you read, you're inspired by them. And yeah. Just, yeah. And um, I mean, I love Lisa. I like Lisa Gardner, Lisa Unger. There's a lot of good Lisa's out there. Um, yes. I like uh, I now um, Sean Cosby. He his latest and, and his hottest is um, Blacktop Wasteland. And the funny thing is, is like there was so much. um buzz and so much hype about it. And uh, I couldn't wait for it to come out so I could read it. And then I read it and I was like, all the buzz and all the hype, it's just like not even enough. Oh. It's not even enough. I mean, this book, I, I have the Kindle and the and the hardback. And I mean, it's just one of those books that I'm going to come back to over and over again to learn from it. Um, and I'm Facebook friends with him, but I have like, even just messaging with him. I, I am so starstruck. I have a really hard time. Like I'll try to message him something like when his new book came out for pre-order, I, I sent him a, a little message about how excited I was. And then he replied and I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> um, oh, and I read recently uh, also another one, which was, there wasn't enough hype about it in my, in my estimation was Miracle Creek by Angie Kim. Um, that just gave me like a book hangover for days. I couldn't, I couldn't read anything else. 
I like that's because it impact like it impacted you so much like yeah emotional, emotional roller coaster type book yeah and yeah. that's like um jennifer hillier she does that to me every single time i mean i i read um jar of hearts which came out of not not 2020 i think it was 2019 um and i remember i had been reading it and then i had to go somewhere in my car and, and I went, I think I had to drop my daughter off and I went and I dropped her off. And then I just sat in my car and read the rest of it because I couldn't wait till I got home. And I, I was not able to read anything else for a full month. I mean, just nothing could touch that book. And she, she had um, a new one in 2020, Little Secrets, which was, you know, even better. So I really love those authors that, I mean, I, I hate losing all that reading time, but... <laughs> But when something is is that good, um, and Sean Cosby's Blacktop Wasteland was like that for me. I was like, as soon as I finished it, I was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to read anything else now. <laughs> and that's, that's when I read this book, and I I was re I was going through looking for books on my library um, my library app. Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. I don't know if you've ever heard of that book. I have it. I haven't read it yet though. But that's what happened to me after that. Oh, wow. When I read that book, I told my husband, like, how can I ever find anything yes. that, that makes me pause? Like, it was like a pause yeah. in my life. And I was like, I, I, uh, and it was just so good. That's going to be my go back to. That's right. going to be my go back to. Just because I love character driven stories so much. Like, I'm all about that. And, I just loved Eleanor. I'm excited when that was going to come out as a movie. Like, like I love to know that that's coming out in the works. But knowing that now I have, like, I, I literally, like, I have a little bubble. <laughs> I make strange notes. They never go straight down in order. So I have all kinds of bubbles and check marks and everything of what you just said. I've made myself a little, a little word cloud <laughs> of, all of, the, of all of the books, all of the authors, because that's what I'm in. I'm in my learning phase right now. Because when, you know, when you first get, you know, you first get the contract, I did my reading, I did my research, I did everything for the Sunday killer. I felt really good about it. Um, you know, it's made it to this next step, but I'm still in that learning process. I'm still yeah. making my list. I still have a, you know, you know, just a, a packed, you know, library card of books that are waiting in my queue as I'm just going through <laughs> and just, you know, try, like I read Megan Miranda. She writes a lot more of like a YA, but when she wrote, come find me, I was so like when I'm writing in a genre, I'm trying to read what's out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I do that because I do write in multiple genres. I'll do like, I'll be reading all kinds of romance, love, and then write love over pizza while I'm doing that. So that one's one that's just coming out. So this thriller one, I just like a newbie. It's so <laughs> exciting because I have so much to look forward to. Yeah, there's so, oh, there's so many good books, so many good books out there. And so that's the thing. Like, I don't look at it as a chore. I don't look at it as, oh, I've got to research this for comp titles or I need to do right. this. No, it's like, give me more. Like, <laughs> I, need the, I need the scoop. I need to know because this is like what I love. Like, do you do true crime books? Do you read any true crime? Yes, I do. And I, and I do love them. Um, there was one I read. 
read last, I think it was last year, it was called In the Name of the Children by Jeffrey Rinnick. And I mean, it was painful, but it was really, really good and really well done. Um, to me, the person that writes the best true crime is Greg Olson. Um, I love, oh, I love his, and every so often, because um, we're Facebook friends, I'll, I'll, you know, post a, an article on his page and be like, you should write a book about this case. <laughs> there you go. You're keeping up. You're keeping up. You do it really well. <laughs> so my niece, she reads only true crime. She's read everything under the sun, true crime or Stephen King. And she's like, but you know what? I've never read an adult thriller before, but yours will be the first one I read. So she's already said in line, she's going to read the Sunday killer. I'm like, oh, yay. Nice. <laughs> yay. I'm glad because she's like, she's addicted to the true crime books. But so, yeah, I've got my list. So I just want to thank you for like sharing all of your wisdom with us today. Like you talk, about, you talk about other people with a wealth of knowledge. You're walking around with a wealth of experience and knowledge. And I love that you're willing, so willing to give back. Oh, thank you. So thank you for that. So tell everybody where they can find you online. Where can they find you? Uh, well, my website is uh, www.lisareagan.com. It's L-I-S-A-R-E-G-A-N.com. And um, if you come, I mean, I'm on Twitter. It's at Lisa L. Reagan. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I won't remember my handle now. Uh, I think it's Lisa Reagan author. And But I spend most of my time and energy on Facebook just because that's where most of my readers are. And um, I love to I love to hear from them. They're so enthusiastic, and um, so that's where they kind of hang out. So that's where I go. Um, and uh, you can just look up my author page is just Lisa Reagan. And I have a lot of I we do a lot of uh, giveaways on my on my Facebook page and sometimes on Instagram as well. And I don't just give away my stuff. I give away, like if I read a book and I love it, I'm going to give it away um, because I want other people to read it. So um, I give, so I always say to people, like, even if you don't read my stuff and you're not interested in what I have to say, that's cool, but you should still come to my Facebook page because you could win some really awesome books. <laughs> well, I give hobbits away. I carry hobbits around in my car. And then so when I was doing book sign-ins, I had a bag of hobbits. And if people would be at the, I was like, have you read The Hobbit? Oh, no, I haven't. Here's one. Take this one. Even if you don't read mine, just go. You've, right, right. Read the Hobbit. <laughs> I do the same thing. I collect hobbits wherever I go. I see hobbits, I buy them. That is so funny. <laughs> pass, pass the love on. So thank you so much for being here, Lisa. Thank Good luck. You've got your book coming out in April. We're going to be so excited, cheering you on, passing, and we're sharing it around. Guys, if you've not started the <laughs> Jesse Quinn, you can be just like me. You can start with book one, <laughs> Detective Jesse Quinn Thriller, Vanishing Girls. It is an adult book that you will not be able to put down. And thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. Bye, guys.
Now that you've found me on the Jen Lowry Writes podcast, I challenge you to head over to where books are sold and find me there. I've published 11 books so far, and I write clean books for all ages. Horror, paranormal, sweet romance, fantasy, historical fiction, you name it. I've got your genre. Search Jen Lowry at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Kobo, and more. And for my Bible devotionals, you'll see my full name, Dr. Jennifer Eichner Lowry on Amazon. So I challenge you today to go out there and write something inspiring and share it with the world. Thanks for joining me on Jen Lowry Writes. You guys have a blessed day.